What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Kempire is brought to you by... Only a couple more weeks till the Kempire After Dark tour is officially launching. First show, January 25th, here in New York City at the Green Room 42. Tickets are going fast, but some are still available, including meet-and-greet tickets. And on February 16th, D.C., buckle up. I'm coming to your town, and I'm so excited to talk about everything reality TV, reality TV news, and pop culture. You're going to have an opportunity as well to ask questions, share your shady thoughts, or drop some tea. It's a night full of kitchen table talk. Campire After Dark has officially come to 2024. New cities coming very soon. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all platforms so you don't miss out when those announcements are made. For more information on our New York City show or our DC show, will be available in the description of this episode. You're listening to Kempire on the Kempire Radio Network. So it's been officially two weeks since my return from Tokyo, Japan. And I know a lot of you have been waiting to hear my synopsis of my trip, the things that I did, the experiences that I had. And I'm kind of glad that I waited till now, two weeks later, because... I have to say, I experienced more jet lag on my return versus when I, you know, went to Tokyo. And it's probably good when I landed in Tokyo, it was an evening. It was like Thursday evening. Um, and it was a few days before Christmas. If you know me and you've been following the, the, the channel or me on social media for a long time, then you know I really made a habit of traveling during the holidays. But I travel in general. And I've seen some really amazing places, but Japan was completely a different culture than I've experienced before. It was really like my first time experiencing true Asian culture, although I've been to South Asia, uh, like India. I've been to India a couple of times, and I can't wait to go back to India, honestly. I I love India. But literally today, as I record this, I had sent a text to some new friends that I made in Japan during the holidays that... Sidebar, I miss Japan. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect of my trip to Japan, but I knew that I've always wanted to go. I've only heard great things about Japan. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And I will be honest with you guys, because I know there are a lot of you, both male and females, that are a little hesitant to do any sort of solo travel. And look, I think there are good things about traveling on your own. And I also think that there are down, downsides to traveling on your own. Besides the obvious, you know, danger, you know, stranger danger. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> Besides that, and I'll tell you the downsides before I tell you about the positives. So for me personally, especially during the holidays, because you see a lot of families and couples traveling together during the holidays. I'll just say that's practical wise. When you want to go to the bathroom and you have a carry on. <laughs> When you're traveling with someone else, watch this. I'm going to go to the bathroom. When you're traveling by yourself, you got to take all those things with you because, God forbid, you left it somewhere. Um, first of all, you're going to probably be arrested because, like, why are you just leaving things around? 
And it's also not Japan because that's one of the great things about Japan that if you stay there long enough, you come back to America, you, you kind of take for granted that in Japan you can kind of leave leave your you know your personal belongings somewhere and it will be there when you return. Not that that's what people are doing, but I'm saying kind of that's what you could do. So that's one of the downsides is <laughs> you can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> no. One of the downsides, it's sort of like there's a, a nice security of traveling with someone else. There is a nice security of that, someone you can kind of, like, you know, bounce thoughts and experiences. Even if you don't necessarily talk to that person all the time during your travels, it's still nice to have someone there with you that can, you know, just sort of balance out any nervous energy that you might have. Because I think people, and this is why I try to give people grace when they act a fool in the airport or on a plane. I think sometimes subconsciously people are acting that way because of their anxiety, anxiety to fly, anxiety to, oh, I got to take care of this. I got to make sure I have this for this flight. So I think it's a combination of those things, even though I, I do not act a fool at the airport. I keep, I keep telling you guys, I like my TSA pre-check. I also like my nuclear um, pre, pre, pre-check. I am so mad. <laughs> I already, I've had TSA pre-check for a few years now. But when they started doing clear, I said, I'm not doing clear. I got TSA pre-check. I'm not doing clear. I don't need no clear. Oh, yes, I do. Because I can tell you, I mean, there are sometimes TSA TSA pre-check, it's it's zoop. You're you're in and you're out. But for the holidays, I'm so glad that before this trip, I think when I went to Tennessee, I had signed up for clear. And... I was like, all right, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it, and I'm glad that I did because I literally, it was like, shoop, and it was, it, there was still a line for clear, but clear is a lot. Look, this is not a, pay, this is not, pay, it should be clear. Where's my um influencer check? It's it, it feels like um valet service for you at the airport, and mind you, I get to the airport early. I am an early bird, and I like to be at the airport early, no matter how. M- I, I, I could be tra- at the TSA pre-check at the clear. I'm going to zip through security and I'm always probably have like a couple of hours extra, but I'd much rather be in the airport. I will go hang out in the Delta Sky Lounge, if anything, sidebar. Delta, I don't really love Delta Sky Lounge. And it's not because the amenities aren't great. It's not because the food isn't great. It just always feels like a lot of people are at the Delta Sky Lounge. And that I don't like a lot of people around me. That's the whole point of going to a lounge, so you kind of feel, you know, separated from too many too many people. People waiting for their flight. The Delta Sky Lounge, which is huge, depending on what airport you're in, but it's also a lot. <laughs> it's also a lot. A lot of people. I feel like every airport that I've experienced in the Delta Sky Lounge is always a lot of people. When I was in Minneapolis, a lot of people. When New York, always a lot of people. Sometimes they have a line waiting out the door. And when I see that, I'm like, I'm just going to wait at my gate. It's not worth it for me to wait on the line to get to, into the Sky Lounge. It's not. I mean, sometimes it is if you're there early and you want, like I said, the food, the amenities, your own personal bathroom that's very clean in comparison to the airport bathrooms. Even though I have to say, for the most part, for the most part, for the most part, I feel like LaGuardia is a newer airport. I, I flew into Newark coming home. I hadn't been, I haven't flown through that airport in a few years, and it, that wasn't that wasn't bad. But for the most part, like the Delta Lounge, like you get your own little 
like it's 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 nice. It's a nice and there's a reason it's a lounge. It's a nice thing to have as opposed to, you know, using the regular bathroom in the airport. Look, first world problems. But you you have heard you're you've come here to hear my experience. So I'm giving you the full experience. Okay. All right. So first off, guys, I will just say this as well. For those that are listening to this, for those that are watching this, you will be able to see the visual version of this podcast episode. This is a podcast exclusive episode, but you'll be able to watch the visual version on the Kempire Radio YouTube channel. As you know, we do special episodes like this along with giving you live versions of our you know, recaps and news and hot topics. We're always giving you something fresh and new here on the podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. All right. So <laughs> back to this. The benefits. Oh, Elephant Brain's working. The benefits, first of all, the downside. For me, again, the downside of traveling alone I'm not alone. I had, I, I'm very conscious of the words that I use. Traveling with yourself. Shout out to Ianla Van Sant. She said that years ago. And I, I have stuck with that. Traveling with yourself. I, I, there, there is a nice comfort to traveling with friends, a partner. More so, I thought so, especially because of the holidays. I thought to myself, you know, this would be nice to share these travels and experiences with a partner. What's the point of working hard your entire life and, you know, gaining the success and the money and the things and no one to share it with. That's a sad life. No. No. So, and I also believe, and I was just talking about this with a Vedic astrologer. And I, and I said to her, I was like, you know what? Because she told me, based on my Vedic a, a chart, that, you know, having a partner would only elevate, you know, the things that I'm doing both in my life and my career. And I was like, that makes complete sense because I feel as a a whole person, you have to have all of those elements. You have to have all of those elements. And I do believe a partner only elevates you as a person. They add to you. It's not like they're completing you. They add to you. And I think what we need in life is that balance of, yes, career is important, but you also need to have a life outside of your career. And I remember working in corporate America, so many people that would be miserable and they would try and make other people's lives miserable because their, their lives at home were miserable. So I say all of that to say, and for me, the benefit of traveling with someone is having just, just having someone with you. And yes, there are practical reasons for that benefit you by traveling with someone, but there are also just like emotional reasons, you know what I mean? Your anxiety and things like that, or just sharing that experience with someone. And the benefits of traveling solo, <laughs> the, emotional, <laughs> the emotional part of that where maybe that person is high in anxiety and they don't help calm you down and they have a lot of questions and they want to do certain things that you don't want to do. So, and it can, and it can cause com- conflict. But that's also why you need to find the right person to travel with, be it friends, lovers, whatever it may be. That's in my, that's in my, you know, my list of to-dos, not to-dos, but like the kind of person that I would want, they have to travel well. They have to travel like I do. We can't do, oh, we'll show up at the airport in an hour for an international flight when they suggest you be there three hours ahead. Oh, no, no, because that would work my nerve and that would cause conflict and then we would have to break up. <laughs> just saying <laughs> we would have to break up all right um so stuff like that stuff like that but also like while you're at your destination 
you, you sometimes certain people, oh, I'll get up when I want to get up. Oh, I don't feel like doing that. Like that, that stuff can cause conflict. But sometimes for, for some people, like I, I'm, you, you see eye to eye on things that you want to do and see and, and travel the way that you want to travel. A lot of times, one of my good girlfriends, I used to travel with her all the time. We were very similar that way. That's why we were able to travel very well with each other. Did we get on each other's nerves every once in a while? Of course. I remember we did a trip to India and Nepal. That was like three weeks. You're going to get on someone's nerves after three weeks, <laughs> especially because we were sharing space, too. It wasn't just sort of like we had our own hotel rooms. Blah, blah, blah. No, we were sharing space for three weeks. All right. So you're eventually going to get on each other's nerves. Okay, more so some 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 more than others. <laughs> Just saying. Anyways, I've said all that to say. Let me talk more about traveling to Tokyo, Japan. So, a couple of things. Leading up to this trip, for those that follow me, you know, November, I was home for like a week. I was BravoCon for that weekend. After that, I spent a week or so in L.A., then came back, was here for a week, of course, back to doing content and work and, you know, adulting. Then went to Tennessee for Thanksgiving, which fantastic because we, we, we celebrated Thanksgiving, caught up with my friends. We decorated for Christmas. We did all the Christmas things. I love that. All right. Only to come back to be here in December for maybe like three weeks tops, three weeks, probably a little bit less than three weeks, actually. And one of the things besides work that I was doing, I decorate the hell out of my house. Like I put Christmas stuff everywhere, wherever I could put Christmas stuff, including the lights outside, I did. And I was like, I don't care. You know, some people are like, you're not going to be here for the holidays. Why are you going to decorate? Because I'm going to be in my house for the next three weeks. (laughs) I don't do all of that for anyone else besides myself. Yes, we decorated the studio and things like that. And you guys enjoyed that and you loved that. But I still did that for myself. And I always have to remind myself, I was like, because some, you know, friends were like, why are you going to decorate? You're going to be gone for the holiday. But I did it for myself and I did not regret it. I mean, I regretted it coming back. It's like, damn, and I got to put this stuff away. Now I have to organize. I mean, I still have a couple of, just a couple. The majority of my Christmas stuff have, have been put away. Christmas lights that I have in the living room and bedroom, I haven't. I was like, I'll wait till, you know, maybe like March to take those down because they're, not, they're just like lights. You know what I mean? Um, But, like, I have a couple of gingerbread houses that I just need to pack right and put away. Anyways, this is going to be a long podcast. Buckle up, (laughs) y'all. Anyways, so November was a busy month. Before I knew it, December was upon us. If you've been following me me before, I told you when I was trying to book... I think I told you guys this. I was trying to book my, my flight for Japan a couple of months before that. And I had some issues with Delta overcharging my card. And then I had to wait until the card because I wanted to use my Delta points for this trip. I wanted to take some of the money. It's, it's expensive to fly to Japan. But once you're in Japan, it's not that bad. I know people always say Japan's expensive. expensive. If you're from like a New York City or an L.A., it's not that expensive. I mean, it's expensive if you're from the middle middle America, but just the flight is very expensive, very expensive and long. And mind you, Delta doesn't have a direct flight from New York, which I normally would do always a direct flight, but I wanted to fly Delta. 
for points because I wanted to use my points. Because normally I'm like, I'm not doing a layover anywhere. That's where I stopped in Minneapolis, both going and coming. Um, I stopped in Minneapolis. But I didn't get to see Minneapolis because I wasn't there long. All right? So anyways, I've said that all that to say. Oh, I've, I've, I, I didn't have a lot of time to plot and plan Japan the way that I, I normally would. Like other cities that I've gone to, what I did do in preparation was some of the basics. I watched a lot of fellow YouTube content creators that, that that's why I would say YouTube is just like, there are millions and millions of content creators that you just don't know. And I don't take that for granted. Every single day we are being discovered by new people from around the world. And, I, and that's what I do love about YouTube. So I discovered some new content creators that have been talking about Japan, the culture, things to look out for, things you should do before getting there. A lot of really amazing content creators. Only for me, when I actually got to Japan, I missed one step. I mi- not that I missed a step, but what I could have done one step that I, I missed was getting a QR code for immigration. Either way, you can do it there. But it probably would have lessened my, like, oh, my God. Uh, just when I thought I had done everything, because you don't need a visa from, from the U.S. there. You don't have to, to, to get a, a pre-visa before you get, go there. Like, certain places like India, you have to get a visa before going and apply for a visa. So I thought I had done everything, only for me to be, like, trying to fill out a form as I'm walking with my, my carry-on to before I get to the customs agent. Mind you, it was a long line in order to get there. And I flew, to, I flew into Haneda thinking, oh, this will be great. I'll be even closer to Tokyo because Narita is further away. <sighs> thinking that it would be easier, okay? One of the friends that I met in Tokyo had flown into Narita literally the same day as me. Keep that in mind. This person flew in the same day. And one of the other people that I met flew in the same day, but they both flew into Narita. And... They said their experience in Narita was very, like, cool, calm, collected. Okay. Not for me. We are all, all of us are just trying to fill out forms because we were trying to also do, we were also trying to do the, because um, uh, they had on the screens on how you could do it online. It wasn't making sense to do it online. If I had done it when I was in America, it would have been, it would have worked out better. Just for those that are preparing for a trip to Tokyo, Japan, Get your QR code for immigration before you go. It will just lessen one less thing that you need to do. So I eventually go through this process. They're, they're testing you because I believe Japan is really still up on their COVID testing and, and making sure that you're good. They take your temperature, a bunch of different places. So go through the whole immigration process. Think that I'm done. All right. No, I'm not done because then you got to get your bags and then you got to fill out another form in order to go through customs. <laughs> to go through another customs gate situation. But once I did all of that, that was, that was the longest part in the airport in Japan. And one of the things, because I've traveled so much, is that every country has a whole different system. Do, whose country do I feel like had the best? I'm trying to remember. I always say that um, the Netherlands, for me, has always been like very seamless. Very seamless. But they're not the only ones. A few European places have been like that. But I feel like outside of Europe, it usually, you could wait a long time in regards to, um, like, customs and things like that, which is fine. I mean, I have no problem doing what I need to do. You have your, your system. I'm going to follow it. I just was, I'm just going to sweat as I try to follow it. 
because the temperature always seems to be a little bit warmer in those facilities. It's like they want to they want to make you sweat. They want to make you sweat. All right. Anyways. But once I got out of customs and things like that, it was actually very easy. I, again, watched a lot of really great, amazing content creators that showed you multiple ways on how you can get from the airport to Tokyo. And look, I will say this. I'm a little bougie. (laughs) I mean, if you didn't know, I just feel like at my big age of 42, okay, I... I'm just not traveling like that anymore. I'm not traveling in a way where like I'm 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 in a space where I I am pinching nickels and dimes in order. I feel like I work hard enough. I'm not going to sweat it when I travel. This is a gift to myself. If I can afford it, I'm going to do it. Look, I would have loved to travel uh first class to Tokyo, Japan. I not that I couldn't afford it. I just was not willing to pay $16,000 for a first-class ticket. I would have loved to, but I just wasn't doing it. So I am frugal in a way, <laughs> in a way. Because I'm just like, that's $16,000. I'm like, that's a lot of money, all right? And they're not trying to, to upgrade you either, just saying. So anyways, once I got out, as I said to you before, a lot of really great content creators tell you all the tips and tricks on how to get from the airport to, you know, central Tokyo. You can take the train, like from Narita, there's a train you can take from there. Very easy. But again, I travel with, with a lot of stuff, you know, because I'm thinking equipment. I'm always, I overpack. I'll just be honest. Just be honest. <laughs> Look. I overpack, but I'm always thinking because I'm traveling, I'm also working while I'm traveling. I'm thinking, well, I need lighting, I need cords, I need my laptop, I need this, I need that, I need certain outfits for this, and blah, 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 uh-huh. okay. So, I also don't want to be on somebody's train with all of this luggage. Well, I will tell you this about Japan, because Japan, te- just the way that they do things, technology, but efficiency, they are top tier. We could learn a thing or two from Japan in regards to just their efficiency in doing things. So they do have an option where you can have your luggage sent, sent you know, separately from you. So you could take the train and your luggage will meet you at your airport. And I believe if you get there at a certain time early enough, you can get your, your luggage same day. For some people, they don't care. I'm like, you know what? I'll just make sure I have certain things in my bag that I, that I need for tonight. And that's fine. The other option, they have luxury bus service where you can put all of your luggage and things like that on the bus and that will take you to central Tokyo. And I really considered that as an option because I had asked the hotel before I left the States about options of getting there. But then they said, oh, and then you can walk from, you can take the luxury bus. It will drop you off at Shinjuku Station, which honestly, now that, I, now that I'm familiar with the area, I could have taken the, you know, the luxury bus and then it, they said it's like a 10 minute walk from Shinjuku and it kind of is, but I, I'm, I'm flying in a place that I don't know. So listening to I'm like, I'm, I'm coming in the evening do I, and it's cold. Do I really want with all my luggage to coming from Shinjuku station? But now that I've seen it, maybe in the future I could do something like that. But knowing me, probably not. Lies, the lies. Probably not. I'm probably not going to do that because literally when I came out of, you know, getting my bags and things like that, I saw because I, again, watched videos because they said you need cash. 
Although Japan is advanced in so many different ways, technology, efficiency, there are a lot of places where you still need to use cash. Although there are a lot of options where you don't, especially because they have their um, uh, Suica card, which you can, this is another tip for those that are going to Japan. I believe they're not actually selling the physical card right now, but don't quote me on that. But before you even leave the States, download the Suica app. I use that app. I didn't have to take out cash or anything. A lot of places take that app and you just use that as your form of payment. You can use that on the train. You can use that in the 7-Eleven, Family Mart. A bunch of places take the Suica app, but you still needed cash. I learned that before even leaving. So I ended up getting, there was a 7-Eleven ATM because I heard the 7-Eleven ATMs usually do accept international cards. I said, let me get 30,000 yen. All right. So I got 30,000 yen. And the exchange for, for the United States is pretty damn good. I believe it's like for every American dollar, it's like 145 uh, Japanese yen. That fluctuates, but I believe that the last time I checked, that's what it was. All right. So, mind you, I will say this about Jamaica. Jamaica, for one American dollar, is 150-something Jamaican dollars. So, perspective when you think about the, um, the currency exchange. All right? I'm giving you guys a lot of tips. Are y'all going to Japan? <laughs> so, download your Suica app because you can use that in so many different places besides the, um, the train. All right? All right. So... I get there. The the taxi place is right there, y'all. So I got my cash and I just took a taxi. And I'm glad that I did. It was so easy because it was right there. I could have. I looked around. I was like, "Well, where's the luxury?" I didn't try hard. I was like, "Where is it? Where is it? Mm, Don't see it. I see taxi though." And I got me a nice little taxi. Right? I wasn't on nobody's stinking bus with other people. I got in a taxi and, and I and I got to where I needed to go. Honestly, I don't even think it was that expensive from from Haneda Airport because I also was very close from Haneda. If it was in Narita, it would have been an even more expensive taxi ride. But would I have done it? Probably. Um, so I get to I, I, I see that there I'm the taxi's right there. So I take a taxi. Uh, very nice taxi driver. He could not understand me, but shout out to Expedia because Expedia gives you an option to put your to show the driver your um, address in their native language. So, and I also discovered in my research that a lot of times, even if you show them in English, the taxi drivers, because um, English is not, you know, spoken a lot in Japan. Yes, there are some people that do, but it's a challenge. But shout out to, to, to the Japanese. Despite it being a challenge in regards to communicating, they are so polite about it. They're so nice about it. They try their best. I love that. I love that. So Expedia, because that's how I booked my, my hotel, they, they translated for, for him. So it was so easy. He looked at it. It was like, oh, no, I'm going. And we went from there. All right. So pretty much that day was a wash because by the time I got to the hotel, it's, it's the evening. So I didn't even go out. I just got settled in, in my um, hotel, nice hotel in Shinjuku. Shinjuku is sort of like this sort of like very trendy, busy, a lot of really great shopping. Um, it's also where a lot of people go to party. That's where their red light district was. I really was like two blocks from the red light district. Didn't I even realize it was a red light district there? 
Um, I remember one night I was just walking around and I turned down the wrong corner and I had some ladies trying to, you know, look, I had this when I went to Amsterdam, but I was just sort of, cause I literally just turned down the wrong corner and this woman, she looked like she was a school teacher flirting, flirting. I don't even know if she even said it in English, but I could tell the energy cause I had my headphones on. I was like, Oh no, madam, no madam. Anyways, Shinjuku was nice. And I have to say when I first got to Japan, and in the area, it didn't feel like a lot of tourists, even though there are lots of people in Japan. Uh, and, my, and mind you, I already told you, I don't like to be around a lot of people. You would think, based off all the people, and yes, I had my moments, I was like, okay, this is a lot of people. But for the most part, I didn't, I didn't mind it. Would I love it on a daily basis? Probably not. You're on vacation, so it's a little bit different. I also didn't have to take the train during the busiest times, but I did once because I wanted that experience. You know, Japan is known for having these really packed trains during rush hour where they're pushing the people on trains. I didn't see that, but I did take the train one time during, you know, their, you know, big commuting times. So I did. And I had that experience of like, and I said, never again, never again. And okay, let's talk about the trains, the trains, the trains are so beautiful, so clean. If you follow me on social media, I posted pictures of the trains in Japan. So clean. They're all so different. I have to say the first day where I was supposed to have a tour, I was going to take the train. I was like, you know, I'm going to be brave. I've traveled around the world. I've tried like every single train, you know, every place I've gone, I've tried the train. All right. And it's far more efficient than the New York City subway. And literally when I came back, I had a culture shock up from my own culture. I was like, is that dirt on the floor? <laughs> literally, it was like soil on the floor, the, the, the two train. And especially this is coming after being in Japan. I saw so many different types of trains, but every single one was clean clean efficient some of them were so high highly tech tech like high tech i'm sorry um it will tell you where you're going what car you're in i'm like we are too we make the mta makes too much money for us not to be more efficient like this but i get it it there are a lot of people stealing a lot of people just greedy that's part of the problem but okay it is what it is anyways I loved taking the train. Event that first day when I was supposed to take the train, I went down to the train and it was just it is intimidating because it's just a lot of words, a lot of symbols. But shout out to Google Maps. What I do like about Google Maps more than City Mapper cuz I use City Mapper in other cities and I like City Mapper. But Google Maps to- tells you what platform you should go to. City Mapper didn't. And City Mapper didn't work in Kyoto when I went to Kyoto. So if you're traveling to Japan, Google Maps, from what I hear too, is a lot better than it was before the pandemic. And I, it was my go-to during my Japan trip because literally it would tell you. I mean, I still had to adjust on figuring out what direction to go to. But once you're there to catch your train, it tells you what platform to go to. Very important. Pay attention in regards to the time because depending on, and it's not every train situation, but they're very efficient. So if it tells you to get on the 513, get on the 513. If it's 515 or 516, that might be a train going somewhere else. So pay attention. Great thing about Japan as well. They are also making announcements in English. So pay attention to that. I also took their bullet train. 
very efficient. I have to say that was coming from Kyoto. I was because that's intimidating. All of this, trying to learn all the things. There's lots of people. You're trying to look at things. But again, I feel like everyone at these train stations have been helpful, willing to help, polite. I didn't feel like anyone was trying to rush me. You know, like here in New York, you'll get people that don't want to help and want to rush you. No, I feel like in Japan, and I get why so many Americans go there and, and love it or want to stay there and live there. I definitely think even if you don't speak Japanese, you could live in Japan. I just don't understand why you would without learning because, again, a lot of people do not speak English. All right. So I had the the experience of the train. So that first day that I got there, I tried to have the experience only for me to be like, no, I need to make this this tour because this is like my introduction to Japan. So I didn't want to miss it. It was it was a tour to show me about Shibuya. And I'm glad that I didn't miss it. I ended up getting out of the train because I couldn't figure it out because I also didn't have my Suica, Suica card. I got out of the train and just got an Uber, and that was fine. The Uber driver got me to this to the, the meeting point, and that's where I got to meet my friends, my two new friends that I ended up spending a good majority of my time in Japan. One was uh, someone that was also from New York. Another person, I don't want to say their names because they know what I do, but they might not want me to talk about them <laughs> on these platforms where thousands of people are, are watching and listening, so I'm not going to say their names. But... Um, one was from, from California and we were both a part of this first tour. And because we were, you know, going through this area, we all became friendly after the tour ended. We were like, Oh, are you guys doing anything? We all decided to go get something to eat. And, and from that day, we all just hung out. Not every single day. We all had different plans. I know, um, two of them ended up going, um, further north in Japan for like a couple of days and then they came back to Tokyo and then we all went together to Kyoto. We took the bullet train together to Kyoto. We spent the new year. Uh, you know, first off, we went to we went to um, the Buddhist temple. For those that follow me as members on our YouTube channel, on the Kempire YouTube channel, I told you I spent the night at a Buddhist temple on my first night in Kyoto. And then a couple of nights later, we spent New Year's together at another temple ringing in the New Year. But that was sort of like the end of us hanging out during that trip. So th- throughout the trip, we, we did a couple of things together. We went to see the monkeys. Um, we went to see the bamboo forest. Um, uh, so, many, so many. But for me, like I said, I think if I had been traveling with someone else, I probably wouldn't have connected with these two individuals. So one of the benefits of solo travel, I think you're more than willing to make new friends. I think when you're with your people or your person or your partner, you're not as willing. It can happen. It can happen because I've met couples on, um, on trips that I'm still very friendly with while I was traveling with one of my good friends. So it's not impossible, but I think depending on your personality, more you're more than willing to to get to know people because I think if I was with someone else we probably wouldn't have went off to hang out with these two other people we just met on a tour but ever since then we have our own little group chat from from our Japan trip I just text them I was like sidebar I'm missing I'm missing Japan (laughs) I'm missing Japan It, it was just a really great experience I know with one of the one of them my fellow New Yorker we went Kyoto uh not Kyoto we went um kimono shopping for him but you know me (laughs) i ended up with the kimono so i got a couple of kimonos i should have wore that for this um this recap 
but I got some beautiful kimonos. Um, you know, the, the male kimonos and things like that. Oh, I need to post a picture of me in one that I should have gotten because to me it was like an ode to uh, Andre Leontali because he used to love wearing kimonos over a suit. So I wish I had gotten that one. I could have premiered that at the New York City show, but then I probably would have been hot. But I loved it. It was gorgeous. It was like leather. It had fur. I was like, this is like a futuristic um, kimono. Anyways. So we did that together. We went to um, uh, Harajuku. I saw so many different parts. Tokyo is so vast and big. But I was also glad that I met you know these two individuals because it, it really encouraged me to go to Kyoto. Because it was in the back of my mind, but I hadn't booked anything. Because leading up to this trip, like I said, so much was happening work-wise, travel-wise. I didn't really have a lot of prep. I did some prep, of course. I had my ticket. I had my, you know, I did some research on the culture. Because that, for me, is the most important, is that I'm being respectful to someone else's culture while I'm there. So, um, because I met these two individuals, um, one of the uh, women... Um, who, who's from California, she had already, she had planned out her trip, all right? And she was planning to go to Kyoto. She said, you guys should come. And we did. And I'm so glad that we did because we had that, that Buddhist temple experience. We slept there overnight. We woke up early to see the, the, the temple prayers with the monks. And then uh, we even ate traditional, uh, mind you, I don't know. Like, I'm being very transparent with you guys. I didn't know how to use chopsticks. I never really had to. My friend said, oh, you, you won't need them in Japan. Yes, you do. Learn how to use some chopsticks, okay? Because <laughs> you do. You do. But I ate some of the traditional foods at the temple. From the temple, we went to see other temples and shrines. Because I, I never thought about this. Of course, I kind of knew. I just didn't think about this, especially with the, all the conversations over at the Real Housewives of Potomac about shrines. And I think we take for granted being so flippant about talking about shrines and associating them with something negative when in other cultures it's associated with their their true beliefs like after the new year a lot of japanese people go to shrines for the new year to sort of like cleanse and and set intentions for the new year to get a a good look fortune that kind of thing so, and I made a little bit of a joke on social media about NECA. Don't tell NECA I'm out of the shrines. I word on the street, she didn't like it. I, look, I have connections. I know when people are talking about me, okay? Uh, she didn't like it, so she sent her bots. Anyways, um, yeah. So I went to a bunch of different shrines. There was a shrine not too far from my hotel in Shinjuku, and I didn't know what the, the shrine was in charge of. Like, the shrines have purposes. And this particular shrine which was beautiful. I, I've posted pictures, and I think I even told you guys what, what the shrine was. But this particular shrine that I was discovering on my own, you know, I wasn't with anyone. I was just like, okay, what's the nearest shrine to my hotel? And there are a few. There are quite a few. But this particular one was for entertainers. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I had learned, because on the first day that, that, that um, Shibuya tour um, but the people that I met, we ended up going. We ended up going to my first shrine when I was there. We ended up walking to the shrine, and so I had learned kind of the process of like when you come up to the shrine. At this point, I can't even remember. I know you bow, then you clap your hands twice, and then you bow again. Like you you make an intention or a prayer for whatever you're trying to to do, and then you bow again, and then 
you know, you walk away. So I did this process. Every shrine has a little bit of a different process. This one had like a bell that you ring. So I followed the process. I was like, I'm at a shrine for entertainers. I'm going to pay, pay my homage to, to the gods. I'm going to give a little donation. And then I'm going to, you know, set my intention. All right. So that I ended up doing some discovery in regards to that. I mean, I'm not going to go through every little single thing that I did in Japan, but one of the biggest things about Japan during the holidays, that of course, they're not celebrating Christmas, but according to my friend and her Google Schmoogle, in Japan, even before this trip, I knew that the Japanese on Christmas Day eat chicken, fried chicken specifically. But we discovered that KFC did like a promo that this is what Americans do during the holidays, allegedly. And it sort of stuck with their culture. So during the Christmas holiday, you will see lines at KFC, people getting chicken and strawberry shortcake. I was like, okay, all right. Because even uh, one of the subscribers, and shout out to um, Justin if he, if he ever watches this, I met him in, in, in Tokyo. He saw that I was in Tokyo. And he was also, because he doesn't live in Tokyo, but he lives in Japan and he was in Tokyo so I met up with him. I got to meet one of our, you know, because there were a handful of people that actually, some some of you from London were actually in Japan at the same time. Phaedra was in Japan at the same time. Um, Scandaball was in, in Japan at the same time. I didn't see any of these people. But Justin is a subscriber, and he said, oh, I would love to meet you while you're here. So we ended up meeting, which was really, really cool. And he also talked about how he doesn't know the history of why, you know, you know the Japanese eat fried chicken. <laughs> and strawberry shortcake during Christmas. So, you know, I, I ate some. So, I, I had some KFC. I didn't love KFC, though. You know who I did love? Burger King's uh, chicken nuggets were heaven. Heaven. And I know you're thinking, you're eating Burger King in, in Japan? Look, yes, I had my ramen. I had my, you know, my stuff. But I think it's also a cultural experience to have what you would normally have in the States and sort of compare how it's different. You know how we've talked about KFC in Jamaica and Trinidad and stuff like that? For me, that, that was the experience. I didn't love KFC in Japan, sorry. But I did love my Burger King in Japan. I will tell you that. At least their chicken nuggets I loved. Anyways. But like I said, I did try the ramen. My friend, my fellow New Yorker that I met in Japan, we ended up going to like this random place that was under like it was under like an overpass. And it's like this older Japanese man who's talking to us in Japanese, but we don't understand a word that he's saying, but we're trying to figure out what to get. We got this curry um sopa, so, soba. Oh, it was good. It was good. It wasn't a lot of food. It's, Japanese aren't big on like big portions and stuff like that, but it was delicious. It was delicious. All right, so I had some soba, I had some ramen. I had ramen at this place that wasn't great. But if you're walking through the streets of Japan, you're smelling ramen everywhere. So please understand, if you didn't have good ramen at one spot, go try another spot, because eventually you will have some good ramen. But the scents, just walking through the streets. Mm, 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 mm. One of the things that, you know, in my conversations with some people that I met in Japan is that despite having all of these people, you're seeing all these people cross streets, first of all, I love their crosswalks because their crosswalks are for the pedestrians. And because with that amount of people, you can't just have people going, you know, just certain ways. Like their crosswalks will go crisscross, 
each other so you can cross in the middle of a major street, all right? Uh, and I'm sure if you know Shibuya Crossing, the legendary Shibuya Crossing where millions of people cross, you know, every day, it makes complete sense that you should be able to cross in the middle of those types of streets because it makes it more efficient. They're a very efficient culture. Speaking of efficiency, because I'm trying to remember everything, y'all. They have a bidet in, ev- in public bathrooms. They have bidets everywhere. It's a part of their culture to use bidets. If you know me, I've already talked about how much I love my bidet. I've had a bidet for a few years now. I know pre- preparing for this trip to Japan, I was like, oh, I'm not going to miss having my bidet because everywhere I go has a bidet. Some are fancier, fancier than others. Some are fancier than others. Um, but they have a bidet in every bathroom. One of the other things that I saw in my research before going to Japan is like when the bathroom gets steamy, a portion, a middle portion of the mirror does not. What in the black magic is that? So now that I'm home, I'm like, damn it. And that's why I said when I build my my home, my next home, I'm going to have a Japanese designer because I know it's probably going to be very efficient. Just saying. But there are so many little things that I did document. I did make little videos. I need to get better at vlogging, y'all. I apologize. It's just like, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot to kind of vlog your experience without really being truly present in your experience. And I want to be. I've taken tons of pictures, but I feel like vlogging it, you you, you miss out on the experience. I'm trying to get better. I do have some videos that I will share on my like TikTok and Instagram. So be sure to follow me there if you're not. Speaking of which, guys, don't forget, January 25th literally is just days away. Our first New York City show will be happening. Campfire After Dark. We're going to talk about maybe some Japan. We're going to talk about some reality TV. We're going to talk about some hot topics. And you will have an opportunity to come up to the mic and share your thoughts, opinions, tea, questions, all of that. All right? All right. February 16th. Oh, DC, you thought I forgot about you. No, DC, DC is selling so fast. If you haven't gotten your tickets, you better not wait any longer. DC, I will be coming to your city February 16th to talk about, again, all hot topics, real housewives, and so much more. More information on how you can get your tickets will be available in the description of this, excuse me, of this video. All right. All right, let me take a sip. Back to this. So, uh, like I said, the efficiency, there were so many little things that I noticed about the efficiency of, of the, you know, locations where I was staying and things like that. Shout out to the hotel that I stayed in Kyoto. They were so lovely. Before I left, they gave me like this little, I don't even know if I can even call it an ornament, but it's the year of the dragon. And before I left, they gave me one. They were just so polite and sweet. So polite and sweet. I loved it. I loved it. I, I would definitely go back to 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 Tokyo, to Kyoto. Um, there's so many other parts of Japan that I could see. I, I, I encourage anyone, if you've never been and you've been waiting to go, go. Go. You can go by yourself. You will be fine. People are so polite. Uh, and look, I've been to, to France. And look, shout out to France. I love France as well. But France, if you don't speak their language, they're not really... And if you try... They're very judgmental on how you use their language, and they can be a little rough. They can be a little rough with you, all right, in regards to not speaking their language properly or not speaking their language, language period. Um, not to say that I'm not going to make the generalization like everyone's rude and blah, blah. It was just a little different. Because one thing I will say 
that some people have told me both about Japanese culture that I spoke to while I was in Japanese and that you'll see with French uh, culture is that they're very much about their their own friend groups and their own like if you're an American going to like these places you might feel a little lonely if you were going to live there because a lot of times they will just sort of like be with themselves this is this is what people have told me and based on my experience I remember one Christmas New Year's Eve in France I felt like Carrie Bradshaw I felt like Carrie Bradshaw I was like oh my god is this what she experienced Still love France. Still can't wait to go, to go back to France. Um, literally went to France right before the pandemic. The January, January 2020 is when I came back from, from France. And then only for us to be on lockdown. Anyways, love Japan. Loved spending New Year's in Kyoto. I believe in Tokyo, what they did for New Year's was fireworks and things like that. In Kyoto, people go to the Buddhist temples. Walking back from the Buddhist temple where we rang the bell. Literally, you see me. Uh, with with one of the people that I met during this trip, ringing the bell together for New Year's. They ring it like a, 108 times, all right? There's symbolism behind that. Don't get me lying on explaining that to you. But as we were walking back from the Buddhist temple to the train, you literally hear throughout the city, instead of fireworks, all you hear are the ringing of bells throughout Kyoto. In Japan, I'm assuming they did fireworks. When I got back to Japan, it did not look like the, the when I got back to Tokyo, it did not look like the Tokyo that I had been used to. The very clean streets. You didn't see garbage on the floor or anything like that. And now I noticed that there were a lot more tourists in Tokyo. Again, this was uh, during, you know, the new year. So a lot of tourists did come into Japan for the new year. And it just, it felt like a very tif- different Tokyo. It felt like a very different Tokyo. Again, it felt like a lot more tourists. It felt like there was a lot of garbage everywhere. Again, people, you know, people are off because I believe literally from New Year's Day to the 4th, the 4th is when people start getting back to work in Japan. All right. So I'm sure it's clean now. But one of the things that stood out to me is how clean everything was in in Japan, how polite everyone was. And one of the things, because I started to talk about this and I didn't finish it, was Despite there being millions of people walking back and forth in Japan, the loudest thing that you will hear is not the people, which is crazy to me. You have millions of people, congr- you know, just going from place to place to place to place. And if you are paying attention, you're not hearing the people. You're hearing the sound effects. It really does feel like you're in a Pokemon game. It feels like I am in an anime game in Japan because of the signs and the lights. Like, they put Times Square to shame, all right? But then I paid attention. I was like, with all of these people that you see going back and forth, and yes, you will have some people screaming and things like that. But for the most part, with that amount of people, you would think that you would hear nothing but people talking, and you don't. All you hear is the signs and things like that. They have 3D signs. Um, so that stood out to me culture wise that, you know, they're not allowed people. They're not like aggressive and and things like that. I know a lot of people were, you know, asking me, especially as a black person traveling Japan, did you feel awkward? Did you feel literally maybe on one hand, I could count the amount of people that kind of gave me a longing stare, more like a curious stare. Not that you you could tell the difference between a stare that is just ignorant (laughs) and just like. What are you doing? No, it's more like a fascination, a level of fascination. 
a handful of people. Not it wasn't it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot, especially because I was in Shinjuku, where it was a lot more younger people too. So it's a little bit different. One night we were out, uh, and these these young like these young Japanese kids. We were looking for something, and they were so willing to help us. He was like, oh, if you do this. And even though the, there is a language barrier, they're like, oh, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to help us out. At one point, when we were kimono shopping, me and my fellow New Yorker, um, we went into this place where it clearly was kimonos for, for grown women or something like that. And we told her we were looking for kimonos for men. Again, she didn't speak a lot of English. This woman left her, her shop and walked us down the street to bring us to the place where I got a kimono. And that's where I found the, the the leather kimono that I didn't get. She walked us down to this place. I can tell you so many different little examples of very much things like that in Japan. If you've been waiting to go to Japan, let this be your encouragement to go and have the experience that I had. I thought it was really great. I would definitely go back. Shout out to, to all the people that I met in Japan. On January 1st, I did a Zen breathing experience at the um, Japanese museum, National Museum over there. It was like a separate thing that they were doing. I did some Zen breathing there, which was really cool, which I need to really start implementing. I would really like to start to implement. It was a great experience. And leading up to my, Jap- my Japan trip, I, I got so many signs that, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is where you're supposed to be doing. It's going to be a good trip. And it was a good trip. Were there a little, you know, mishaps during the trip? Yeah. Yeah. But nothing that completely ruined my life. <laughs> Things happen. You just got to go with the flow and try and look at the positives. Okay. Um, one of the things that happened, an earthquake. An earthquake happened in Japan. So many of you hit me up. Kempire, we want to make sure that you're okay. Are you okay? Okay. Literally the day before I was leaving Kyoto. I had changed my train ticket because I was like, eh, I don't want to stay in Kyoto for, for much longer. I want to leave earlier. Changed my ticket the, the night before because my friend was also changing her ticket because she was going somewhere else in Japan. I was like, you know what? Let me change my ticket. So I ended up changing my ticket earlier. Only for when I finally got to Tokyo that day is when my New Yorker friend texted us, oh, I just felt an earthquake in Osaka which is not far from Kyoto. And Justin, who I met, was in another, I think Nagoya. He felt the, literally the train goes through Nagoya. So if I had stayed a little bit later, I probably, they'd probably been maybe canceled my train. I probably wouldn't have been able to make it back to Tokyo, or at least there would have been a delay, or I would have experienced it. When people were reaching out to me, in Tokyo, I didn't feel it at all. Only, not only was that happening, and the tsunami watches, then I think a, a day later, they had that accident at Haneda Airport, the airport that I was flying out of a couple of days later. They had that accident where five people lost their lives. Only for me, when I finally get to Haneda, on my um, ticket, it says Narita. Haneda to Narita. So I got a little nervous because I was like, wait, am I at the right airport? Because I double-checked before I left. No, they had to fly from Haneda to Narita. Then from Narita, I guess we were going to fuel at Narita, fly from there to Minneapolis, then from Minneapolis to, yeah. That was my travel experience. But everything worked out because I was supposed to be in Minneapolis for like six hours. Because there were delays in Narita, 
I didn't fly. I, I only spent maybe two and a half hours in Minneapolis. I still got back very late, but still, still, everything was, everything always worked out for me. Okay. But Japan was fantastic. Despite all the things that happened, could have happened, I'm safe, sound, thank God. Thank God, and I'm so grateful for a great experience, a great experience that I get to share with all of you. Again, if you're listening to this on the podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and hit me up on Twitter to let me know that you heard my Japan episode and your thoughts and experiences if you've been to Japan or have been wanting to go to Japan. All right. Thank you all for being here. I will see you all in the next one. Arigato. Thanks for tuning in to Kempire on the Kempire Radio Network. Don't forget, you can listen to the Kempire Radio Network on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. For more information on Kempire Radio, head on over to KempireRadio.com.